Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages on the book of Zechariah were recorded in Malaysia a number of years ago. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentaries on the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, the book of Ezekiel, and the Minor Prophets. Available in paperback and e-back formats from Amazon.com and as immediate PDF downloads from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. All right, now just before we uh, start on our first session on Zachariah, why don't we just turn our Bibles, as I was was praying this morning, I thought this would just be a good verse to start off with. Jeremiah chapter 15 uh, and verse 16. So Jeremiah 15 verse 16. And uh, Jeremiah, even though he was a weeping prophet and all he was going through, the Babylonian captivity and all the terrible things he uh, had to say to people at that time, uh, in Jeremiah 15, he still says this, uh, verse 16, Jeremiah 15, verse 16, he says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I think that would be a good prayer for all of us to pray, Your words were found, and I ate them. That's the only book we're actually told to eat. It's the Word of God. <laughs> so I hope you've been eating the Word. And uh, the response was, your Word was to me the joy. Have you enjoyed the seminar so far? Not, yes. not, not because of me, but just because of the glory of the Word. And the joy and rejoicing on my heart. So just great to see you smiling uh, still. And we are called by His name. I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. So uh, why don't you just... Uh, this, uh, uh, brothers already pray, but let's, you just pray there, Lord, and say, Lord, as we receive your word today, let it be the joy and rejoicing in my heart as we eat your word. Lord, we're hungry after you and the living God, and you said, man will not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, we're hungry, just feed us with your word today. Pray again, Lord, that the spirit of our uh, revelation and illumination will be upon our, our hearts and minds, uh, touch our minds, Lord, uh, touch our eyes that we may see, and uh, just enlarge our spiritual capacity, Father, to receive uh, what we need to in these last couple of days. Thank you for your people, and thank you for your grace upon us all, in Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody say amen. 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 And I say to brother this morning, uh, you know, in a seminar like this, you, you've got to remember, Kevin Connor has 54 years behind him. Okay, so everybody won't get everything. Everybody should get something. So uh, don't get frustrated because you're not, you know, I've got 54 years behind me. Some people only get the funnies. <laughs> so, that's, all, that's all you're ready for at the moment. <laughs> but in 54 years' time, you're still the same. God help you. <laughs> Everybody said amen. Alright, so uh, I'd like you to turn now to page. Uh, we're going to start on Zechariah today and spend two days. We've got about 14 chapters in Zechariah, and uh, we're going to uh, do our best to cover the high spots. Uh, in the in the couple of days we've had together. So uh, let's turn to uh, Zechariah. It starts off with a red color cover there. Zechariah, the book on Messianic visions. And um, what I want to do is a pretty similar thing, please. Uh, don't put that on the video. <laughs> 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 my nose is just put it on pause. Okay, so I saw my nose. 
allows $50 for the missions. Everybody who lets their phone ring. Okay, now what I want to do here in our first session, uh, like page one, two, three, uh, four, five, right through to uh, about the middle of page seven, because I've sort of uh, overlapped, you know, when I was putting these notes together, and Dr. Hong Singh was uh, chasing me for notes and outlines, so I put these uh, from previous uh, uh, Bible college days, actually. So I want to sort of combine pages one through the seven, particularly the middle part there. So we're going to follow the same approach as we did before, and so uh, I'd like to encourage you to take down the outline and just some additional things that uh, maybe not in your text, uh, but we're bringing it together, so don't sort of feel frustrated. Uh, introductory, Dr. Daniel, Matt Zachariah. I missed that last night, so I'm following <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, start here. So number one, uh, the title of the book, so we'll follow a reasonable outline, but there's some things down here that are not in your notes, and I'm always learning. So uh, uh, Old Testament minor prophet, Zechariah the prophet of Messianic visions, uh, we'll call him all right. The title, as you've got in your page, on page one there, Zechariah, and uh, his name means Jehovah remembers, and on the other one we uh, amplify a little bit further. Uh, Zechariah, his name means memory of God, remembered of the Lord, uh, one whom Jehovah remembers. So that's all in your text there. And then uh, number two, just moving through this, number two, uh, we have uh, the author again who is, it's, it's, uh, does this sound okay? Here, or does it seem to have gone? Has he gone kafak? No, okay, he's on. So, okay. All right, testing, testing, testing. My name is Kevin. I'm on the way to heaven. I like the number seven. <laughs> That's my sound system test. Here. All right, anyway, so we'll keep talking here. So the author, as on the book of Daniel, as of all the books, is the Holy Spirit. So on the letter A, you might just like to put that. All scripture is given by inspiration of the, of the Lord, the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and so forth in righteousness. So uh, the author, the Holy Spirit, the writer is Zechariah in this case, and the letter B. So the writer, Zechariah. And then uh, from, from uh, chapter 1, uh, on one of the pages there, we find his pedigree, his son of Berechiah, who means blessed Jehovah. And you can just uh, turn back and forth a little bit. I'm sorry to do this to you, but I need to bring some things together. So on page 1 and page 4, we're just combining them on this uh, Combine them. So on page four is pedigree, uh, son of Berechiah, blessed Jehovah, son of Idai, Ido, which means timely, or the appointed time. Zechariah was uh, thus a priest prophet uh, of the line of Aaron, born in Babylon, and came out uh, with the remnant. Now you'll notice there, you might like to make a note of this. God combined in him, this is on page four, both the offices of priest and prophet as, as, as a Messiah. Many times the prophets were opposed by the priest, and from this period of time on, where the priesthood takes the lead in national affairs, uh, as Malachi is the last of the prophets to speak, before what's referred to as the 400 silent years uh, come upon the nation, unto John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's uh, what we have here. On page four, just uh, under letter C here, is youthfulness. And uh, this sort of gives us the setting. He's a young man, uh, raised up as a share in the prophetic ministry with his older contemporary Haggai. So we have to realize 
Zachariah is a young man, probably born in Babylon, over that 70, uh, 70 years captivity. Uh, some say he's about you know, 17, 18, 20 years of age, anywhere in there. So born in Babylon, and undoubtedly, we have to assume this, undoubtedly you've heard about the dreams. And uh, you know, we, we forget sometimes that you'll find that Ezekiel was a, a prophet among the captives. And in Ezekiel chapter 8, I think it is, you'll find that many of the elders and the people must have come uh, to Ezekiel's place like in a house meeting. He would give them the word of the Lord. So there's two prophets in Babylon, Daniel in the, in the, in the palace with Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus onto the Persian kingdom, and then Ezekiel uh, among the captives. He had uh, his own house there, and the people would come to him, and they would hear the word of the Lord. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, so undoubtedly, we have to, we're just assuming this, but undoubtedly a young man like Zechariah uh, must have been influenced by Daniel's uh, prophetic words, the dreams and the visions, uh, everything like that, and he must have uh, been influenced by Ezekiel. So it's just something we assume, and I think we'd be safe on that. So he comes out with the remnant there, all right, his youthfulness. Um, all right, let's go to number three, the date or the time written here. Uh, you've got that on both pages here. Zechariah's ministry on page one covered a period of about 40 years. And these are always approximate dates uh, just because of the, um, the chronology. It sort of varies in places, so we don't build a church on it. So BC 520 to 480. Uh, beginning 20 years after the first remnant returned from Babylon, and then uh, under letter B we're told chapters 1 through to 8 were written between 520 and 518, while chapters 9 through to 14 were written between 490 and 480 uh, BC. Is this uh, going to go on again here? Okay, just a little bit awkward to, uh, uh, to turn by pages. Uh, just picking that part up there on uh, number three on page one, so we'll be switching back and forth. So Zachariah's ministry covered a period of about 40 years, uh, BC 520 to 480, beginning 20 years after the first remnant returned from Babylon, and then uh, chapters 1 through to 8 were written between 520 and uh, 518, while chapters 9 through to 4 were written between 490 and 480 BC. So always approximate dates on that. And then you go to number four here, keywords, uh, and we're going to spend a whole session on this probably tomorrow because uh, uh, of being such a hot issue. Uh, Jerusalem is used about 41 times, Judah, uh, because remember, uh, we have to, you know, there's so many things we sort of have to keep in mind, keep the big perspective. Uh, perspective, the house of Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, went into Assyrian captivity about a hundred years before the Babylonian captivity, and I can't take time to prove this, but basically the house of Israel was to be scattered through the nations and not return to the land, but the house of Judah would go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and then after that time return to the land because it was from the house of Judah the Messiah was to come, and one of the major reasons for the rebuilding of the temple, rebuilding the city, was to hold the remnant of the house of Judah in Palestine until the Messiah was born and the, uh, the, the work of redemption had been done on, on, on Calvary. So we've got to keep that in mind. So uh, the prophecy particularly concerns the house of Judah, uh, see the word against is used at least 18 times, and remember this is the old KJV on which all this was based. Uh, there, house of the Lord, or house, uh, 10 times, jealous, 5 times at least, and then um, 
And then key phrases, we have the Lord of Hosts. And uh, the Lord of Hosts has to do, uh, turn over to page 6, just a, a few additional thoughts there. On uh, page 6, uh, yes, uh, page 6 at the top heading, keys to Zechariah, uh, thus saith the Lord. Uh, I was looking, yeah, under letter C, Lord of Hosts used about 36 times. Uh, there may be a difference in numbers there, but as uh, using a concordance, I found some more. Uh, and it means Jehovah Sabaoth, so it's a redemptive name, and uh, it's a redemptive name of Jehovah, which in German means the Lord of Hosts, uh, warfare and service. So the Lord of Hosts, uh, Jehovah Sabaoth, so Lord of Hosts, warfare. All the hosts of heaven and earth and nature are at his service and his hand for warfare and victory. And another word we've added on that page is the word jealous. Uh, used several times, God is a jealous God and can send no other rival gods or lovers of his people. God is a jealous God. One of his uh, names is the, the Lord is a jealous God. Okay, so back to page one here. Key phrases, uh, Lord of hosts. I've got 53 times there, uh, different in numbers there, but because uh, we're going further by the concord, so that would help. Uh, make up for the discrepancy there. Uh, Thus saith the Lord at least 42 times that day, uh, 21 times, and then um, letter D on page 1 now, the word of the Lord at least 13 times. So key phrases sort of open up the sections for you as you, as you go through that. All right, now under the key verse here, number, uh, number, number 5 on the overhead here, let's go to the key verses here, chapter 6, chapter 6. And this, uh, this session is like just giving us a general survey of the book. And in, in approaching any book of the Bible, we need just to have a sort of general survey. All right. Uh, Zechariah chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13. Zechariah 6, tw uh, verse 12 and 13. And speak unto him that's uh, uh, to, the, uh, to Joshua, the high priest. We'll be dealing with this more fully, uh, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, uh, prophecy concerning Christ, he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon the, his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne. In other words, king priest, we'll look at this more fully later on, uh, order of Melchizedek. Uh, a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. All right, so key uh, verses there, and then chapter 8, chapter 8, and uh, verse 1 through to 3. Again, the word of Lord uh, of hosts came, uh, uh, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal, with great further I am zealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion, dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, in contrast to what it had been under Jeremiah's time, the mountain of the Lord of hosts and the holy mountain. And then I'd like to add one other verse as a key verse, uh, which is probably one of the most quoted and most favorite verses uh, of all, 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 all preachers. Uh, it's chapter 4, and chapter 4 and verse 6, and everybody should know this one. Then he answered and spake to me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Everybody say it with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Probably that's the most quoted uh, uh, verse in the, in the prophecy of Zechariah. All right, so 
key words, key phrase, and key verses. All right, number six on page one. Purpose of the book, twofold, uh, letter A and B. First of all, it's to stir the remnant to complete the unfinished temple. And it's very similar to Haggai. Haggai and Zechariah are prophets that are working together. And uh, as I said, you've just got to keep in mind, you know, so many details here. A uh, number of the people have stayed in Babylon. They're happy to stay in Babylon there. And uh, they don't want to be bothered about restoration or going back to Jerusalem. All the hard work of rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple, the opposition, they're just not interested. They've got no heart for it. So the remnant are really going through it and uh, having a lot, of, a lot of pressure and opposition. And uh, so great was the opposition as we read Nehemiah and Ezra that one of the, uh, Darius the first, I think it was, he caused the work to stop. They said it's a rebellious city, just, uh, there's insurrection, so, so the temple building stopped. And finally Haggai, uh, working with Zagai, had to come to the people and say, look, you say it's not time uh, to build the Lord's house because what we find and I'll just mention it and leave it. Uh, once you find there were sort of different periods for the beginning of the 70 years. Some say, well, 70 years began concerning the city, and so the destruction of the city. Then later on, the 70 years began when the, when the temple was destroyed. Then some say, oh, the 70 years began when the final captives were taken to Jerusalem. So you have different periods of time because Nebuchadnezzar had three incursions into the city before he finally conquered it all. So some uh, have different dates where the seven is. So what, what's happening in Haggai's time, along with Zechariah, they say, oh, it's not time for the Lord's house to build. The 70 years really is not. And so Haggai rebukes them and says, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses and you neglect the house of the Lord? So he says, you put the house of the Lord first and then God will build your house. And so that's a good lesson for people. So well, my, my family comes first before house of the Lord, before church. So it's not one or the other, it's both. And we've found in our family out there is we honored the house of the Lord, the church, uh, God bless our house. You look after his house, he'll bless your house. Everybody can say amen on that. It's a whole message in itself. Okay, so, um, all right, so purpose, letter A, to stir the remnant to complete the unfinished temple, and B, to prophesy of the Messiah in his first and second comings and the establishment of the kingdom of God. All right, under number seven here, on the uh, overhead and in your notes here, page one, the message twofold, God is jealous for his house and will see that it is restored. And I've just commented on that. You look after my house, then I'll look after your house. House of the Lord first, and then God will bless your house. And I've found that in my own family over the years. So let it be, all of God's purposes are consummated in Messiah and his kingdom. So purpose of the book, to stir the remnant, prophesy the Messiah message, God's jealous for his house and his purposes will be consummated in the Messiah. All right, now, under, under number eight here, you can connect page one and page three. Uh, under under uh, page one, under number eight, the outline, we've broken it down into three sections here. Uh, chapters one through the six, uh, section one, we have 12 symbolic visions. Uh, so various expositors, some say eight, some say ten, uh, more I've started, I'll put it into twelve, but uh, don't lose any sleep over it, okay? Right, on page three, you'll note the first section, twelve visions, and we're going to be touching on most of these pretty much here. So number one, we have the rider on the red horse, 
Number two, we had the four horns. Uh, number three, the four carpenters. Number four, the vision of measuring the city. Number five, uh, Joshua the high priest. Uh, some uh, wonderful material here. Uh, some more easier to interpret than others. Uh, six, the man whose name is the branch. Seven, the, st uh, the stone with the seven eyes. Uh, number eight, the golden lampstand, the golden bowl. And the, uh, the number nine, the two olive trees. Number 10, the flying scroll. Number 11, uh, the wo women, plural, named wickedness. And then number 12, the horses and chariots. So uh, this first section, chapters 12, uh, one, I'm sorry, chapters 1 through to 6, 12 visions. And then the second part on, our, on page 1 is four didactic messages. So teaching, prophetic messages, and that's chapters 7 and 8, particularly dealing with fast or feast, because as we'll see under the Babylonian captivity, they fast at certain days, praying God will bring them back to Jerusalem and so forth. And God said, well, is it a fast or a farce? Laying <laughs> yeah. on the English word. And then uh, the third section is True Prophetic Burdens, chapters 9 through to 14. And uh, on page 3 you see, under 9 through to 14, the burdens, we have chapter 9 concerning Greece and the Maccabean area and onto Rome. And then number 2, chapter 10, we have false shepherds. Chapter 11 brings us to the crucifixion. And chapter 12, Jerusalem is a cup of poison, the birds themselves. We're going to spend a whole session on this, particularly in the light of what's going on in the Middle East today and so forth. And then chapter 13 ends up with an outpouring of the Spirit on Jerusalem, which I referred to yesterday. And then chapter 14 brings us to the actual second coming. So you can just see how sweeping uh, the prophetic uh, word of Zechariah is, right? From his time, uh, the uh, Medo-Persian Empire, the Greeks, the Roman, sweeping right over this age, right down to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so number eight. All right, now let's go to uh, number nine here. And I want to compare now, and uh, uh, it's just, the purpose of an outline is just sort of give you the, the big picture, set the stage for the comments we're going to be making later as we work through uh, reasonably chapter by chapter. Okay, now I'd like you to uh, take down this outline here. Just the comparison between Daniel and Zechariah. I hope you don't need your binoculars on this. Uh, do I hear murmuring in the camp? <laughs> Sorry about this, but do pray for me that I can get power to point. Okay. Okay, so let me verbalize that. There's only nine points there, so don't get frustrated. Okay, so on one side we've got Daniel. He was taken as a captive in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. In contrast, Zechariah is being taken from Babylon to Jerusalem. So while Daniel number two was a captive in exile, Zechariah is released from exile. So just these two. And then number three, Daniel was given visions and dreams. We find Zechariah under that prophetic uh, flavors of the spirit. He's also given visions and dreams, at least eight or 10 or 12. Uh, visions and dreams here, the prophetic uh, gifting. Then number four, we find Daniel has uh, specific messianic prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah, uh, as we saw in Daniel chapter 9. And Zechariah uh, has specific messianic prophecies. And you'll notice both Daniel, they both involve 
first and second coming. Uh, Daniel chapter 9 particularly involves the first coming when Messiah was to be cut off in the midst of the week, crucified, uh, and, and suffer for our transgression, sins, and iniquity, and bring in everlasting righteousness. And Daniel also leaps way over to the second coming. So we've got to remember Daniel prophesied of both comings. Messiah being cut off the first coming, and then where does he prophesy the second coming? The stone cut out of the mountain without hands, uh, the Son of Man. Uh, receiving a kingdom from the Father and crushing the beastly kingdoms, uh, then the uh, uh, Messiah, the Prince, and the Prince of Princes. So uh, Daniel prophesies about first and second coming. Uh, first coming, then leaping right over the church age, right down to the second coming, great tribulation. We see that in half a week, first coming, half a week, second coming. All right, Zechariah, he does a similar thing. He has specific messianic prophecies reaching from the first coming to the second coming as we'll pick up later on we find he prophesies how uh, Jesus received his soul for 30 pieces of silver and then uh, he prophesies how uh, the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he speaks stand on the Mount of Olives in that day and he becomes king over all the earth we'll be looking at that later on so both prophets Daniel in Babylon, Zechariah, in Jerusalem, both prophesied first and second coming in Christ, just showing how vast and sweeping their, their, their prophecies are here. Okay, now let's go uh, number five here. Daniel is a prophet in Babylon. Uh, Zechariah is a prophet in Jerusalem. So both prophets, just two different cities. So a prophet in Babylon and a prophet in Jerusalem. All right, number six. Daniel lives to see as a young man uh, the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. In contrast, Zechariah, who's never been to Jerusalem, we would assume that as a young man born in Babylon, he sees the restoration of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. So uh, Daniel sees the destruction of the city and the temple, and Zechariah seeing the restoration. And so between here from Daniel, you've got the 70 years Babylon captivity, and uh, Zechariah being probably 18, 20 years of age. All right, number seven, Daniel uh, lives through the Babylonian captivity, 70 years of age, right through to the Medo-Persian Empire, and Daniel being, if he was about 18, 20 years of age when he went to Babylon, 70 years captivity, so he's in his 90s uh, when he uh, stands in his lot uh, and rests and goes to be with the Lord. Zechariah was under the Medo-Persian Empire, and then he receives additional word that uh, Daniel got concerning the Grecian Empire and the Roman Empire. Even though Rome isn't specifically mentioned, uh, there's enough implications because uh, Rome is the empire that uh, in, in, uh, instituted uh, crucifixion, uh, the, the penalty by, the death penalty by crucifixion. Alright, so Grecian, Roman Empires, right through to Christ. And then number eight, Daniel is under King Nebuchadnezzar under Belshazzar and then Cyrus and Darius of the Medo-Persian Empire, whereas Zechariah is under Cyrus and Darius. Uh, while you're doing that, let me just read and, uh, you know, it just sort of gives us the setting, the stage here. I'm reading from Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, so that brings you way back to the time of Daniel. So while Daniel is in Babylon, under about B.C. 538, 
receiving the seventy-week prophecy, and some of those other things we looked at yesterday. Zechariah, in the same year, is in Jerusalem. So in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Bino, the prophet, saying, and so forth. Okay, so that's, that's the, that uh, connects that there. And then the, finally, number nine, approximate dates here, B.C. 606 to 536, uh, the 70 years captivity, Daniel being about 90 years of age or so there. And then for Zechariah, we have B.C. 536, the uh, remnant of the captives that went back to Jerusalem, believed the message of restoration, uh, 520, and then the latter half of his book, uh, 494, 80. All right, so just good to compare Daniel and Zechariah. Okay, everybody understand that? Ask you a question. Yes. All right. Okay. Have you finished with that? No. Yeah, thank you. You're very good people. Okay, now I want to add another one here that's not in your notes. That was not in your notes. This is not in your notes. Not only is there a great comparison between uh, Daniel and Zechariah, it's amazing of the comparison between uh, Zechariah and Revelation. Now, you'll find that Revelation, and uh, I've said this before when we, when, when we did... Uh, a seminar on Revelation, and good to repeat it. In my study of the book, I found that Revelation actually is one book that's made up of the 65 books that have gone before. And it's like that John, uh, talking very humanly here, it's like John has taken bits from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, First uh, and Second uh, Seventh, right through. And out of 65 books that have gone before, he's composed one book out of the 65 books that have gone before without any contradiction. How many think that's the miracle of inspiration? Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Now, two of the classic books that uh, uh, Revelation is made up of is Daniel and Zechariah. So as you study the book of Revelation, you'll find that uh, John is going back to Daniel, back to Zechariah and their visions and bringing it into the book of Revelation, showing that uh, though some of Daniel's prophecy was for his time and some of Zechariah's prophecy was for his time, yet there's an ultimate fulfillment in John's time or the book of Revelation, the, the time of the end. Not the end of time, but the time of the end. So, you know, remember God's the author of Scripture. And all the jigsaw puzzle parts, he gives, you know, the different writers, and I nearly said authors, because uh, he's the one author, he gives different writers parts of the puzzle. And none of them contradict, they contradict each other. That, to me, is one of the greatest proofs of inspiration. I was talking to a scanner day saying, uh, um, uh, yeah. one day he said, oh, anybody could compose uh, scripture and make up the Bible. I said, I don't believe that. You know, when you look at Revelation and the amazing thing, how it doesn't contradict anything of the previous 65 books, only God could do that. So because there's one author and God could see Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy to Moses, and then Samuel to Samuel, and Kings to the Kings and so forth, God said, okay, here's a part of the puzzle and uh, bring it all together because he's the author. That's why there's no contradiction in the Bible as far as God is concerned. Okay, thank you, Kevin, for that good point. All right, now let's go to this part here. Sorry to do this to you, but I told you you've got to work hard here. I want to put down seven of the visions in Zechariah that John picks up. 
okay? And we'll, we'll do this as we work through the day. Okay, seven divisions. Now, this is just work for me last night. While you were sleeping all afternoon, I was working till all hours to get this right for you, okay? So, okay, so just in Zechariah and Revelation. All right, number one, in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 8 to 11, chapter 6, verse 1 to 8, we have the vision of the four horsemen. Now, in Revelation chapter 6, we have verses 1 through to 8, we have a vision of the four horsemen. So where did John get that from? He's using some of the language of Zechariah. As I said, applicable for Zechariah's time. But let me say this, truth is truth in every generation. So what was truth then is truth today. Truth is eternal. You've got to keep it because people say, well, how can you take that from Zechariah and say that's applicable today? Only because truth is truth in every generation. What was truth then? It's truth now. What was truth 4,000 years back? It's truth today. So truth is eternal. All right, so that's what we do. So uh, we have the fulfillment there, and yet there's an ultimate fulfillment in Revelation. All right, number two, the next thing, we see that uh, Zechariah has a vision of the golden lampstand, the golden candlestick. In Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, and then in Revelation chapter 1, 2 and 3, we see Christ standing in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, and here he says the seven lampstands are the seven churches. What was it back there? We'll come back to that when we get to that chapter. All right, so vision of the golden lampstand. Number three, the third of uh, Zechariah's visions that John picks up is the vision of the two olive trees. So in Zechariah chapter 4, the same chapter, verses 3 through to 14, he sees two olive trees standing one each side of the golden lampstand. And Zechariah's like you people, full of questions. What are these olive trees? What's the golden lantern? What's the golden vault? Full of questions. Just like Malaysians. Okay. Uh, and then when you get to Revelation chapter 11, uh, we'll pick it up later on. He says, these two witnesses are two olive trees. Where'd you get that from, John? I got it from Zechariah, Kevin. Okay, read your Bible. All right, so vision of two olive trees. All right, number four, the next vision John picks up under a different language, of course, is the vision of the flying scroll. Okay, Zechariah chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, he sees a flying scroll. And in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, uh, John sees a seven-sealed book, or literally a scroll, uh, that the seals have to be broken. And then as we saw yesterday, Revelation chapter 10, a little open scroll, a little open book. So similarities there. All right, number five, the next thing we see is a vision of two women. And we'll be working through these as we go through chapter by chapter. Uh, Zachariah sees a vision of two women, and they're flying to, to Shinar. And the land of Shinar, for a particular reason, is where Babylon was. Now, this is after the Babylon captivity. We'll be looking at that. So Zechariah chapter 5, verse 5 to 11, and then Revelation chapter 17 and 18, we see a woman named Babylon, we see a city named Babylon. So there's some connection there. All right, vision number 6 is the vision of the second advent of Messiah. Chapter uh, 12, 13, 14 gives us the details, some details of the second coming, and Christ standing on the Mount of Olives from where he ascended, in Revelation chapter 19, we have the second coming. And then finally, number seven, 
We have the vision of the kingdom of, of God on the earth. In Zechariah 14 it says, There will be one king, uh, one Lord over all the earth. And Revelation 20, 1-6 brings us to the millennial kingdom uh, in, in the earth. So we see amazing comparison between Daniel, Zechariah, and Revelation. Everybody said amen on that? Amen. Everybody finished on that one? Yes. Okay. No? No. Okay. You've got me. Uh, Alright, we've just got a few more minutes here. Finish on this. Alright, so continuing on your outline there. Number 10 here. Okay, historical setting. Just going to read out of your notes on that. Go to, um, uh, let's see, historical setting. And just uh, going from... Page four, is it okay? Thank you. Uh, yeah. Page four. Yes, thank you. Historical setting. Uh, yeah, page four, down the bottom, historical setting. Refer to notes on Haggai, but not to page uh, five here. We've already mentioned this, but just to reiterate. Uh, Zechariah had been born in Babylon and had responded to the call to come out and return to Judah and Jerusalem in the work of restoration. Pardon me at the close of the 70 years captivity. The time is about 16 years later. Zechariah began, begins his prophetic ministry about two months after Haggai and is his, is his contemporary. Both Zechariah and Haggai ministered practically and spiritually to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest, uh, as also to the remnant who had come from Babylon and the work of uh, restoration, rebuilding of Jerusalem, the city. Why don't we look at that verse uh, in Ezra chapter 5. Ezra chapter 5. It's uh, sometimes uh, difficult for us because we look at the books one at a time because they're, uh, you know, they're written that way, but when we superimpose them in their historical backdrop, it sort of helps us to understand a little bit more fully. So Ezra chapter... Uh, 5, Ezra chapter 5, and page 592 in my Bible. So Ezra chapter 5, and here's where you would sort of superimpose some of Haggai's prophecy, some of uh, uh, Zechariah. So Ezra chapter 5, verse 1, 2. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophets, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedek, rose up and began to build the house of God which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Okay, so Haggai and Zechariah, prophets of God, helping them. So they just didn't preach at them, they helped them in the building, saying, look, we need to build the house of the Lord. God's house first. So that's the picture we have. And uh, on the page 5 here, it is about 70 years before the commencement of the great 70 week prophecy. Remember the time is about uh, in the first uh, remnant they go back to Jerusalem. You know, going forth of the commandment was going to be in BC 457, uh, as we saw yesterday. So this is uh, the remnant, the first remnant has gone back. Okay, so uh, 
So that's uh, basically the historical setting. And then just a couple of other things here. Now, at number 11 here, I'd like to just put this down. In, Ecclesi uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we just, uh, the last part, we have a little saying that goes like this. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Alright, so now the threefold cord, I'd like you to put down, which we use in Key of Knowledge uh, a lot, is number one, observation. So threefold cord, not quickly broken. So number one, observation. Then number two, interpretation. And then number three, application. So as we work through Zechariah, and we're not going to be able to do verse by verse on everything, but number one, observation. And number two, interpretation. Number three, application. And then with each of those words, I'd like you to put a question next to it. So observation, when we say observation, our question is, what does the Bible say? What is that passage saying? What is it actually saying? Not, not what we want it to say. We're not making it say what we want it to say. What does it actually say? So as we go through these chapters, uh, touch on the high spot, observation, what does it say? What, what is the... Uh, verse actually telling you that passage. Right, number two, interpretation. Question, what does it act actually mean? So when we look at the olive trees, uh, does that mean the two witnesses? Did it mean that to Zechariah? The answer is no, as we're going to see. Now John takes it, but is it, is it interpretation or application? So that's what we've got to look at. So using proper hermeneutics here. So observation, what does it say? Uh, what does the Bible say? Number two, interpretation. What does it mean? What did it mean to them? Not making out what it means to us, but what did it mean to them, to whom the prophets were speaking? And then number three, application. And the third question is, what lessons can be learned that we can apply to us or to the church today? Okay, so observation, what does the Bible say? What does it actually say? Number two, interpretation, what does it actually mean? And then number three, application, what lessons may be applied or, uh, yeah, what practical lessons, put it that way, what practical lessons can we apply to the church today? That's it, so application. So many preachers get into application before they've done proper interpretation. An observation. So others of the church say, no, no, what did it mean to them? So you must have that threefold cord and keep it in that order. Okay, so observation, interpretation, and application. All right, then uh, number number four, uh, 12 here in your notes, Christ scene. If you go back to uh, page, uh, page two, we've just put some pictures of Christ that are in the uh, prophecy of Zechariah. So number 10 on page two, number 12 on the overhead, Christ is seen as the one whom Jehovah remembers, like Zechariah. All the prophets are types of Christ. Uh, uh, you might like to make a note of this. Uh, what's the difference between the prophets and the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, the key thing that's used, oh, I don't know how many, uh, almost hundreds of times that's used, Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, all the major and minor prophets, we have this expression, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, the word of the Lord came. Alright, so over and over again, that was the prophetic formula, the word of the Lord came. But see, the word of the Lord did not come to Jesus. Why? Because he was the word. 
That's the difference. Okay. So the prophetic formula is the word of the Lord came unto Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah. But when Jesus came, the word of the Lord didn't come to him. He was the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was made flesh. So that, that, that's the difference. The word didn't come to him. He was the word. All right. So, uh, and then Christ is seen as the branch in uh, Zechariah, which means the separated one, the Nazarene. He's seen as Jehovah's servant. He's seen as the smitten shepherd. Uh, smite the shepherd and the, and, the, and the flock will be scattered. He's seen as the king priest. Also seen as the builder of the spiritual temple. And then finally seen as king over all the earth. Okay. Alright, have you got the picture? Just the backdrop, the stage setting for our studies on Zechariah. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.